Okay, yeah, so this morning I just want to share briefly about um, relationships, and then we're just going to talk about something we want to roll out this term. Um, I'm just going to start with a slide that's at the back here. Um, It's a famous English poet who was actually an Anglican minister as well. He wrote this famous poem, and and it was actually part of a sermon series, but one of the lines from it, a lot of you might have heard, and a lot of people think it's from Shakespeare, but it's actually from this guy, and he says this line here, he says, no man is an island. And what he's getting at in this poem and in this sermon is that we may think that we're a whole lot of individuals, but we're not. We're connected to each other and we're connected to God. And he talks about in this in this poem about the fact that if one of us, you know, is, is, is disconnected or is to pass away, then the whole group suffers. The whole of us suffer. Like it is it's so important to have relationships that we are interconnected beings created by God. And we see this pattern throughout Scripture. Even starting with God. God is the Godhead. It's made up of three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And even though it's not referenced in the Bible, there is this Greek word that's used to describe the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that word is perichoesis. And what that word perichoesis means is that there's like this dynamic dance that's going on between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They they are in perfect unity. They are in perfect relationship. They are in perfect rhythm together as they dance. Like this beautiful um, sort of spiritual dance that's going on um, between the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son. So at the very heart of God is relationship. At the very heart of God is connection with others. And we see this pattern right through the Bible. God creates the first person, Adam, and he says these words after he's created Adam, it's not good for Adam, no, for man to be alone. And so he creates Eve to have a companion, that he wouldn't be alone, that he would be in relationship with someone else and with others. We see that God um, not only calls Abraham, but he calls Abraham's family as well to come with him. Not only does God call um, David, but David also has his mighty men with him. When, when they go off to, to um, exile in Babylon and they return with, um, you know, we read about Ezra and Nehemiah and we focus on the individuals, but there was a whole remnant, a whole group of people that came back and were part of this rebuilding effort. It wasn't Ezra and Nehemiah on a, alone, but just two individuals. It was relationship, it was relationship, it was a group of people interconnected. And even Jesus Jesus, who had the ability to do everything on his own because he was God. All the supernatural power, all the wisdom in the whole universe, even this most perfect man who was God, even he chose to do life in relationship. After spending 30 years in utter obscurity, he gathers to, to himself disciples. Now, the you know, the word disciple, it, it, it basically like means like an apprentice, someone who's going to come around Jesus and learn how to do life around him. And he gathers these men around him and women, and they do life together. They learn how to pray together, to worship together. They eat, they drink, they laugh, they cry, they weep together. 
He does life for these guys for three years. And then those guys are the nucleus of the church that's launched at Pentecost, which we are the recipients of today. It's all about relationship. And deep down, I think we all know that. I mean, you know, you, you talk to people about community and you talk to people about relationship. Everyone's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's good. It's important. Yeah, like, who's going to say, nah, nah, <laughs> we don't want community. I don't want relationship. I just want to do everything on my own. Um, so we kind of know it in a, in a head kind of way, but we don't kind of, it doesn't kind of get into our hearts. And because we live in such an individual Western culture, we, 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 we have an idea of what we want, like of community and relationship with one another and connection with one another and doing life together. But we, but we struggle to put that into practice and we struggle to live it out because we're, it's, it's almost like I, when I was writing about this, I thought about that, that sense that when you go into a, into, a, into a river or you go out into the sea and you've got the current or the tide against you, it's like the, the tide or the current of our culture of, of, the, of, the, of the water that we swim in that we're not even aware of, you're, you're going against it, you know? Like if you walk up a, a creek or a river, you feel the force of that if you're going in the opposite direction and not going with the status quo, not going with the individualism that's so prevalent in our society. When you go against it, you feel that resistance. You feel that um, like you're not doing something that's out of kilter with what, what people in society do. Um, but we know, we know this is important. And I, when, I'm, when I'm evaluating that as far as connection and relationship, I think it boils down to two things. I think it boils down to intention and it boils down to vulnerability. In Acts 2.42, this is out of the Message um, Bible, it says, that day about 3,000 took him at his word. This is Peter getting up and speaking to the multitudes on the day of Pentecost who became saved, they were baptized, and they were signed up. I like that. They committed themselves, and some of your Bible says devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, to the word of God, the life together, or the fellowship in some of your Bibles, the common meal, or the communion, and the prayers. Like, this is interesting here that they committed themselves to them. They made an intention that they were going to do something. Now, every year we get to the end of the year, and we're like, yep, New Year's, I'm going to do things differently this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run that race. I'm going to lose that weight. I'm going to, um, there's these habits, these things I want to put in place this year. And we call them New Year's resolutions. And they usually fail by about late January or mid-January, somewhere around there. Wellington anniversary day, somewhere around there it all falls apart. Eh? And then you're like, oh, I'll just put that aside for another year. I'm sure it's 2022. That's when it's all going to come together. Um, so we do that. It's because... Um, we, we have a, a, an idea in our head of what we want to do, but we don't put it into practice. We, we're not intentional about it. And I've had personal experience of this recently. L last year, I, I've got a good friend who's a pastor, um, Sam Harvey, and many of you know him. And we keep talking to each other because we're both, um, I'm 40 now, he's going to be 40 this year, and we're both putting on a bit of weight, we're, you know, middle-aged sort of thing, and we're like sort of, oh, I've got to run, you know, we've got to get some exercise, got to get some um, good habits in our life and stuff, and we keep talking about it, you know, oh, you've got to do it, got to do it, yeah, we're going to run a half marathon, we've got to do it, got to do it. Anyway, he sort of put my money where my mouth was, and he said, okay, um, let's run this one in Napier, there's a half marathon in Napier, this is last year, 
and, and, and to make matters worse, he said, look, I'll, I'll, I'll shout you. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> now I am committed. <laughs> so it goes beyond just an idea right, in your head, like, yep, yep, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And then it's like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to have to actually do something here. Thankfully for me, because I didn't do any training, COVID um, intervened and the, ma- and the, the half marathon keep getting deferred until it's actually going to be run in a couple of weeks' time. So what happened was I um, didn't put any training program in place over Christmas, New Year, and then about ooh, five or six weeks ago, um, maybe a little bit more, I was like, oh, heck, this is actually happening. There's no, and, and I keep, you know, you look at the news, and you're like, oh, it doesn't look like there's going to be another one of these lockdowns or deferments. I'm actually going to have to go through with this. And so I had to scour the internet, and I found like a 10-week training program. Uh, and this is going for nothing. So I, I got this 10-week training program, and then I had to start running. And it was painful. I was huffing and puffing. Um, I, I, I don't have a picture of myself there, but um, maybe this from that movie will, will suffice. Um, it wasn't elegant. I was not a gazelle. Um, I, I was a, a walrus or something <laughs> running around uh, my local street. And um, I, my knee hurt and oh, everything. And it was, I, I, you know that when you're trying to breathe and you can't speak because you're... <gasps> and, and I get home and I'm just covered in sweat, just lying all over the couch and the kids would be like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> but, I kept doing it. I followed this program. I sort of followed it religiously, and I, and I, I keep tracking in my times. I got my watch, and I, I did my Ks and everything. And there came a moment, I don't know, it must be about three or four weeks into this run, where something happened in the midst of my run where I, I, I can't tell you how good it felt. It, it felt like I was flying, but I wasn't, because if you watched me, it would look like someone on a treadmill. But... In my mind, it felt like I was flying, like I had reached this moment, and, my, and I, was just, I was just gliding. I was just going for it, and, and it felt good, and I felt, felt like I could run forever, like, you know, I could, I could just keep going, I could just keep going, and I felt good, and then when I got back from the run, I, I, I felt great, like, oh, that felt awesome today, I've achieved that, I've, I've done that, and it was like, I, I'd put that intention in my mind to do something, mainly because I had to, um, and I'd put it into practice. I'd actually did, did something about it and did it, and then I, I saw the fruit. I saw the reward of, of what I was doing. And, um, and, you know, in two weeks' time, we'll find out if um, I survive. <laughs> I'll, do a, I'll do a Facebook update or something if I make it across the line. We're actually finishing in a vineyard, so I don't know if there's people come out with wine and cheese or something at the end of it. I don't know if that's the sort of thing you want at the end of a half marathon, but anyway, I'll get there and I'll let you guys know how I go. Um, but I said all that to say, like I said, you have an idea, but you've got to put it into practice. There has to be intention in what you're doing. You have to be intentional about what you're doing. And so I feel like with relationship, it, it, it has that, that first plank, that first limb of it, that you have to be intentional about relationship. If you, um, often I've heard a lot of people, and I've been one of these myself, so I'm speaking from experience, you go to a church and then you sort of say these things like, oh, no one talks to me, or no one um, says hello to me, Um, I'm I'm sitting here awkwardly at the back of church, and yeah, as a church we want to be welcoming, we want to go up to people, we want to encourage them, we want to invite them to meals and uh, coffees and all these sort of things. But there's also an aspect of, 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 it's a two-way street. If you come to a church, 
you've got to be intentional as well. Like, you've got to be intentional about community. Oh, I, I want to get to know people here. Oh, how do I get to know? I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to, I'm going to help out um, serving. I'm going to go along to um, home groups and, and things like this. Like, there's, a, there's an intentionality that, that works both ways in a, in a church community. And I think the problem is everyone always thinks, um, they're thinking, I need everyone to do that for me. Everyone else needs to do that for me. And, and, and everyone's got the same idea. <laughs> And so everyone actually has to go outward and be like, nah, others, okay, I'm going to connect with these people. I'm going to follow up with this person. I'm going to do something intentional with these people. And it requires effort, eh? Because it's so easy, and especially as you get older, it's so easy just to do the, 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 you know, the people you know and the, your, your close friends and family. It's so hard to sort of push past that. There's a, there's, a, there's a bit of a pain barrier there in getting to know people, getting to connect with people who you many of whom don't come from the same walks of life as you, that don't work in the same kind of workplace as you or do the same sports or whatever hobbies you're into. It, it actually requires a lot of intention. And the other thing that it really requires, I believe, is a real sense of vulnerability. Now, in our culture, we often see vulnerability as a weak thing. I don't know if it's because of our heritage, um, you know, the sort of stoic, stiff upper lip kind of heritage that we've inherited that we're where you don't show emotion um or if you do it's a very small amount of emotion but there's there's, there's an aspect of vulnerability i think especially as a, as a guy you kind of struggle with like oh man to really you know be open with your feelings to be open with your emotions um to to cry to to say how things really are in your life there's a sense that you have this feeling that you have to have it all together all the time in our culture and unfortunately that creeps into the church as well so that we come on Sundays or we come and to other things and we how's things going good <laughs> how are things going great how's your week good how's the weather great you know like it, it it's sort of at that level of superficiality and we don't get to that deeper stuff like how's things really going with you how's your family how's your work going and not just oh yeah I'm busy no, how's things really going there What's it like at your workplace or your study? What's it like in your home life? Um, and I totally get that people don't want to be vulnerable like that in a massive group. I totally get that people will not do that just instantly like that, particularly in our culture. So I'm not saying that um, if you want to do that, that's wonderful. Um, if you want to be really open and vulnerable like that, cool. Um, but I get that for most of us as Kiwis, we're not going to just rock up to church on Sunday and just start being really, really open with someone over a cup of tea at the end of the service. Um, it's going to require time. It's going to require doing relationship with people. And usually that happens in a smaller environment, if we're honest with ourselves. When you've got a big crowd like this and you, and you see it with altar calls too, people don't want to be the, the one or two people at the front while everyone's watching. It feels awkward as everyone's looking at you while you're having a moment. Um, we often do vulnerability in small groups, with small amounts of people, and we often requires a lot of time, eh? Like you've got to build that trust with someone to know, man, this, this person's got my back. You know, this person, if I share with them how I'm really doing, you know, all my doubts, all my fears, all my anxieties, um, you know, where I'm at right at this moment, you know, basically saying, oh, look, I'm a mess, you know, <laughs> that you would share that with someone and then that that person would not judge you, but that person would, would, would pray for you, 
that person would encourage you, that person would support you, that takes a lot of time, eh? It's not going to happen, like um, Rachel Hunter said, it's, you know, it, might happen, it won't happen overnight, but it will happen, you know? Like, it's, it's not going to be this instant thing. It's a, it's a relational thing. It's an intentional thing. It's going to take time. So that leads me, all of that to say, is that we're um, wanting to roll out this term, small groups. Um, we've got many ways to connect in here at Korimako, and, and, and obviously Sundays are a big part of what we do, and it's so important to come together to worship together as a body, and to hear the word, and to minister to one another, and to fellowship together. Um, we also have Fano Kai, which Amy was talking about earlier, so we've got a few homes um, around the community where people come with the sole purpose of having a meal together, to fellowship together, and if you've got to race off to put your kids to bed, that's all good too. Um, it's not a Bible study, it's, it's fellowship, it's just being together um, and doing life together, um, but we, we see there's a need in our community to, for something else as well. And this is not the end of everything, too. You know, we believe this is more, more is coming. Um, if you're thinking Bible studies and things like that, great. You know, we can, we can, you know, if you've got that burning on your heart, we can talk about that, um, and we'd love to support you and something like that. But at this stage, for where we're at, we, we really feel like we want to have this sort of a small group connection that can help people feel connected in, so people can have that um, space to be um, real with one another, to encourage one another, to support one another. And so this is how, um, this, is, this is the vision of this, of what we're wanting to achieve with these small groups. Um, this is out of the uh, Message Bible, Philippians 2.2, 2, says, agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends. You know, if I have to say what the aim or the purpose of why we're doing small groups, it's for this, this is what we're getting at. This is what we want to achieve. You know, we want people to be in unity together in this church we want people to love each other and we want people to be deep spirited friends so um that means yeah doing life together all the ups and downs um you know laughter tears encouragement going through things together as a community um this is what we want to achieve with these small groups and um, we've often talked about um this concept of weaving um when we talk about whanaungatanga which is one of our values and I, I love this image because it's that sense of um, bringing things together and, and bringing it together to hold um, a group together you know we're all these individual we're all these individual strands and God is, is weaving us together as a, as a body as a community and we have like I said before we've got some um, ways that people can connect into the church but we feel that the small groups will be a, a really critical part of weaving people into this body into this church because you know we really desire that as people come in and we're believing too that that God is doing um, something special in, in, in our nation as he always does and he's doing something special in Palmerston North that we want to be part of a harvest we want part of a renewal that God wants to do and we, we need to have um, really awesome, strong, relational networks within our community so that as people come in, they, they can be part of the whānau, that they can um, be weaved in, that they can be connected in, that they can be known and they can know others, um, that they can say, yeah, this is my, this is my home, this is my church, I, I love it, it um, I, people know who I am, 
I can get prayer and support here. I can pray and support and encourage people. And this is, this is really vital because, you know, um, with church, uh, you know, often we can, we can go into that mode where, um, you know, like, oh, we'll get the, the pastor to do all the pastoral work, you know. And, and, yeah, Amy and I do, you know, a good chunk of that, and that's our job. I, I totally get that. But we can't actually do justice to um, all the pastoral needs that are in this room, that are in this community, and for the ones that are coming. Um, we can't get around everyone. Um, we're just, you know, I've got limitations as a human. <laughs> And um, I'd love to be able to do everything, but I think that's not how God works. He works in, in unity. He works in team. He works with the whole body working together to do pastoral care. So we all have a role as, as ministers in that. You know, this is a priesthood of all believers that we can all pray for one another. We can all encourage one another. We can all give prophetic words to one another. We can support one another, encourage each other. And so we all play a role in that, being part of, of supporting that. Okay, this is just um, some of the, the details of it as I, as, as I just finish up here. The, like I said, um, it, it is designed, the, the aim of it is, is to bring unity and relationship. It's designed to be low key. We don't want this to be a big intense thing. We want this to be something relational, something easy for people to enter into and do and keep up, um, something they can be consistent with. Um, we want it to be highly relational. Like I said before, it's a place to know and to be known and to encourage one another. And it is the first port, the first place that pastoral care will happen in Kōrimako as a church. Um, we, we're seeing this as a um, three to five people max. That's the numbers that we, we think, you know, to have that level of uh, intentionality and vulnerability, um, we would like to keep those numbers to that. Um, we suggest groups work best when you're with the same gender, but um, we're not being, you know, you know um, saying that exclusively. Um, but just when talking about vulnerability and, and, and being in a small group, it's probably going to work a lot better with the same gender. Um, the idea that you'd meet, uh, you commit to meeting um, every, every two or to four weeks um, as a group. Um, you could meet anywhere. It could be in, a, in your homes. It could be in a cafe. Um, you could be part of a, a walking group down by the river. This is really important as we want everyone to be cared for and supported here at Kōrimako. This, this, is, this, is this is where we want all those needs, all, those, um, uh, all, all that stuff that's going on in your life. To, this is where it first starts. This is the first place where people receive prayer and encouragement. Um, as far as some of the details of how this can be shaped and formed, um, people can form their own groups um, or they can sign up to be placed in a group. Um, each group, however, would need to have um, someone who would be a point person, a lead facilitator. And um, before you sort of think, oh, heck, you know, because you know, if you've done home groups before, you're thinking, oh, I've got to come up with all this material and, oh, you know, it's going to be real heavy sort of thing. Um, basically, that person is just a, a, a person who can just be a person who can communicate, who can, who can text everyone or message everyone and say, hey, we're going to meet at the end of the month at this time, at this place. Um, just a person who can liaise with everyone. And we're going um, to have some um, materials that we can pass on to that person um, just to help with uh, questions to start with, um, just simple things for just prayer and encouragement as you meet. Um, so each time um, the group meets, it will look something like, you know, people sharing their stories. And, and with that whole vulnerability thing, um, just, you know, 
you, you go as fast as you need to go. So when you, when you first meet up with a group of individuals, you're not going to be probably sharing your deepest, darkest things that have gone on in your life. Um, it might be just some simple things about your life, a bit of your background, a bit of your story, where you're from, who's your family, that kind of thing. Um, and then it's going to be um, growing deeper with God um, and then starting to ask those, you know, those harder questions, those deeper questions to give life and then always praying for one another, encouraging one another. So um, we're really excited about what God's going to do for us. Um, we've really had this on our heart. We, we really want to see this, um, our church community just going deeper with one another. Um, I love Sundays. I think Sundays are great. Um, I never, you know, we always want to do Sundays, but we've got to do um, more than that. And we just, we're excited about this, that doing life together, that there's going to be so much fruit that's going to come out of this. We're going to hear um, how people grow um, because I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to stay the same as I am um, two, five, ten years from now. I want to grow in Jesus. I want to become more like him. I want to see, see, I can look back on my life and go, man, look at the growth that went on there in my life. That where God really, through others, spoke to me. Because in my experience, this is where a lot of that growth, that sanctification happens. It's through um, people you know, speaking into your life, encouraging you, um, sharing things that you just perspectives you never thought about. That's where the, that, that real growth happens in your life, and you see it. Uh, that's what I have from my own experience. Okay, so at the end of the service, um, Amy's gonna. You can come speak to Amy. She has some clipboards, and um, whether you want to sign up to to run a group or you want to just be part of a group, she's got both uh, those clipboards there. Um, so that's. It's a, that's basically what we're sort of aiming for this term. And so, um, yeah, I just really encourage you to, to be a part of that, to, to take that, that step of courage, to be intentional, to go, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get to know people. And um, maybe even encourage you to, um, if you want to, just yeah, try and meet up with people you, you don't know yet. Um, you know, be part of something bigger than your normal sort of thing. All right, Meg, I'm just going to ask you to come up. You guys just want to stand.